Welcome to the Pants Cast, brought to you by Lululemon, a show about all things pants. My guest is Matt James, former NCAA player and Lululemon ABC pant enthusiast. Hi, great to be here. Matt, tell us all about those ABC pants. The comfort? They're like the pants I put on when I don't want to wear pants. Versatility? You could wear these pants to a wedding, but you could also wear these to a cookout. And what about style? They're like if casual and cool had a baby. Well, it's clear why you're an ABC enthusiast. Pleasure having you and your pants on the show. Thanks for having us. Find the shockingly comfortable ABC pants at lululemon.com. I'm going to give Caroline a muckraking bonus point for calling out the carnival industry. Yeah, big carnival, the carnival industrial complex. Welcome, fellow sleuths, to Meddling Adults, a game show where we grab our ascots and go head-to-head to test our wits against the prowess of fictional young detectives for charity. I'm your host, Mike Schubert, and I am notoriously bad at solving children's mysteries, which is why I am safely behind the judges' table, letting others duke it out instead. Our contestants this week are Sally Tamarkin, the host of Oh, I Like That, and Caroline Moss, the host of Gee Thanks, Just Bought It, two wonderful podcasts, two wonderful people. Let's meet our guests, Sally and Caroline. How's it going? It's going. I'm also bad at solving children's mysteries. I really, you know, Mike, you have to call me back if you ever do a Law & Order Special Victims Unit recap. Oh, interesting. I've never considered it. I can it. solve all of those, but children's mysteries, I am nervous. I think Sally will be a formidable opponent for me. Listen, I grew up reading Encyclopedia Brown, never solved one mystery because you have to have completely esoteric knowledge that no 10-year-old ever has. And it soured me on the experience of solving mysteries, but I'm hoping to turn that all around today. I'm pretty psyched. Yeah. Amazing. I am very excited for this. And I think the key thing to remember is that it's all about having fun, not getting it correct. We're here for (laughs) entertainment, but also to duke it out against each other. So here's how the game works. I will be recapping mysteries from the esteemed children's television program, What's New Scooby-Doo? Neither of you have seen these episodes ahead of time. I will lay out all the clues. I will ask for your accusations. Each correct guess of culprit, means, method, motive will earn you points, but there's also bonus points at stake. If your guess matches my incorrect guess, you will earn one Misery Loves Company bonus point. And if there's anything else that I think is fun or you guess something that is particularly off the wall, I'll give a bonus point there. It's like whose line, except the points kind of matter, but in the grand scheme of things, nothing matters. At the end of the three rounds, if a tie is in place, we will break the tie with a sudden death riddle. But before we even get into that, this is a game show for charity. You two are playing for charities. So Caroline, how about you start us off? Let us know what charity you are playing for and a little bit about what they do. Sure. I am playing for the Online Abortion Resource Squad, which was started by a friend of mine, actually. And the most interesting fact about it is it's currently not a charity. They are currently raising money to get to charity status, to get to 501c3 status. Oh, They are an online abortion accompaniment collective. They ensure that every Reddit post asking for abortion-related help gets a quality, accurate, compassionate answer. And this was started by someone who went back to get her PhD in public health. And all of the volunteers have a background in something related to abortion care, whether it is working at a clinic or they are a doctor themselves or they are a researcher. And so they volunteer around the clock, making sure that clear and compassionate answers are being given to people who need them the most. That is fantastic. I really enjoy that. And yes, for anyone listening out there, we're recording this on July 14th, 2022. So contextually, things are super fun in America. (laughs) 
It's great, especially if you're a person that needs an abortion. So Sally, how about you? Speaking of the context that we're in right now, my charity is the Trans Justice Funding Project, which is a community-led funding initiative that supports grassroots trans justice groups run by and for trans people. They've been around for a decade. They do amazing work. They make sure that trans-led organizations that need the money get it. And it's really important right now because there's a ton of really, really bad and scary anti-trans legislation and also rhetoric going around. Yeah, it certainly is terrifying. And as someone whose job for five years was to run a Harry Potter podcast, I am all too familiar with the bad rhetoric portion. (laughs) Two great organizations. And for anyone listening, we will put links to them in the episode description of this podcast. You can check it out, see what they're all about, support them if you want. But one of the two of you will be bringing funds to these organizations by solving what's new Scooby-Doo mysteries. So without further ado, let's put the pedal to the metal and get into our first mystery, which is called Roller Ghoster Ride. Oh, great. Okay. 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 <laughs> yeah. Roller Ghoster. Roller okay. Ghoster yes. Ride. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Ghoster. G-H-O-S-T-E-R. Yes. Most titles of Scooby-Doo episodes, especially What's New Scooby-Doo, the 2003 reboot with a theme song done by Simple Plan, do have puns in the titles. This one certainly has a pun. And it also has a star-studded cast that we will get into as we meet some characters. So... Roller Coaster Ride begins with some kids on a parasailing water roller coaster ride at a big Six Flags style theme park. They're sitting in a glider that is attached to a boat and it's got a cable and it flies them through like a lazy river that looks through the park. While they are riding, a hairy lime green creature appears on a jet ski, laughing maniacally, of course, and it cuts the cable. Picture a athletic monkey with a demonic prehistoric face. Not necessarily important for the mystery, but I just thought the vibes were strong and you should be aware. Okay, (laughs) the vibes are incredibly strong. Can I just like really quickly, T.O., ask a question? Of course, yes. Is parasailing roller coaster, is this a real thing that exists or is this only in the fiction of the Scooby-Doo verse? I think it's just fiction. The rides at this Scooby-Doo episode theme park could not exist. Mm-hmm. They are mostly physically impossible. Great. Okay. Sally's already asking all the smart questions. I wouldn't have even <laughs> thought to ask. The only thing I really know about Scooby-Doo is that I went to UMass Amherst where the five colleges were essentially categorized by a character of Scooby-Doo. And guess what? UMass was Scooby-Doo. Oh, that's right. Let me guess. Like the ones that like the gay yeah. ladies go to are like Velma. Well, we don't <laughs> do this here, but I feel like uh, Mount Holyoke. I'm very much okay with it. <laughs> this is the content we love. Mount Holyoke <laughs> is the hot like femme one and Velma is like Smith, right? I think so. Yeah. I'm actually looking that up. I'm looking, is Velma Smith? If Google doesn't (laughs) fill that in for you, I'm going to be so mad. There's a small subset of listeners right now that are so hyped. (laughs) Like, look, if you went to college in the Pioneer Valley, like, you know. Oh my God, wait. And Amherst, sorry, sorry, Caroline. Yeah, no, go ahead. Excuse me, I'm sorry. No, this is- (laughs) I guess go inside. So Amherst is the main blonde guy who's like a hunk. And then Hampshire, right, Fred. And then Hampshire is- um. The stoner guy. That's right. But then what's UMass? Shaggy. UMass what's is Shaggy. No, UMass is Scooby Doo. <gasps> okay, yeah. So you're right. So Hampshire is Shaggy. Okay. Smith College is Velma. Nailed it. Amherst College is Fred. 
Mount Holyoke is Daphne. Daphne. That's the hot femme one. That's the hot mm-hmm. femme one still at the all-women's college. I feel like I should get some bonus points. I mean, listen. Okay, cer- I mean, no certainly. Way. No way. Okay. <laughs> no way. <laughs> the thing, Caroline, you had a fun fact, but Sally nailed it oh without Oh, my God. I've already brought <laughs> so much. I'm, I'm embarrassing my college. I mean, I, I went there. I should know. But okay, Sally, take the point. Take <laughs> the point. Fine. Listen, shit gets really cutthroat here. Clearly. Right? We're, not, we're not messing around. <laughs> Clearly. All right. I'll let you have it. Um, I'll let you have it. Sally, out to a commanding one zero lead. What is it that makes UMass Scooby? Is it like well, a why dig you at ask UMass? Sally? She would know. I mean, really. <laughs> uh, uh, UMass is called the zoo. It's a really wild party school. None of this matches my personality whatsoever. It's very weird that I went there. So, you know, kind of just goofy, lovable, down for a good time. Not really contributing much, but you couldn't do it without them. Okay. Scooby-Doo, UMass Amherst. I mean, the other schools in that five college consortium are renowned, private, very expensive, sort of like elite colleges and universities, universities, <laughs> universities. And uh, UMass is the flagship public school in in Massachusetts down the street. So you, and it's like 30,000 people strong. So real grab bag. But um, we are Scooby. Today, we are all Scooby-Doo. Today, we mm-hmm. are all Scooby. And you know what? I'm going to give you a bonus point, Caroline, for Thank embracing you. the Scooby I'll moniker. I'll take a sympathy point anytime, away. Mike. Don't worry. I will take a pity point. Any you got, throw them my way. It isn't pity. It's passion. <laughs> I truly felt it in my heart. So now it is tied one-to-one, and we can continue into the mystery. Okay. All right. We're ready. So there's a pair of kids on this parasailing ride, and one kid is nervous, and his friend, I'm putting in quotes because this person is clearly not his friend, turns to him and says, don't be such a girl. You'll enjoy it. Now, the thing that I appreciate about the 2003 remake, What's New Scooby-Doo? They come out and they bash gender norms all the time, and it's really good because Fred has been turned into the buffoon, and Daphne does all of the handiwork, and it's phenomenal stuff. So... They make this kid look bad on purpose. I promise it's not just a 2003 program aging poorly. Right. It's an intentional satire of some sexist jerk. There we go. I like that. Yes. I like it too. So we cut to the gang on their way to Thrill Ride Amusement Park because Shaggy and Scooby won them free tickets, which is a theme. They always find their way to win the gang free stuff. Velma is not very excited, not a big roller coaster person. And Fred again, along these similar lines, says, guess the thrill of riding roller coasters is a guy thing. And Daphne retorts, tossing your cookies and calling it fun? That sounds like a guy thing for sure. Just with a scowl dismissing Fred the entire time. Nice. Now, Shaggy and Scooby won a roller coaster design contest, and their design is going to be built at the park. And they also get to meet the park designers, Chris and Terry. So they arrive at Thrill Ride, they meet Chris and Terry, and Fred and Shaggy the sexist buffoons that they are, are surprised that these are two sisters and not two dudes. And that makes Daphne and Velma very excited. They have 180 on the roller coaster thrill ride theme park experience. And you have Chris, who's got a maroon hair pixie cut with a green streak and a pink streak as well. So very solid hair work here. Sure. She's very much punk rock style where she's got ripped cuffed jeans and bracelets, all that kind of stuff. And then Terry is the chipper one. She's more upbeat. She's got shoulder length brown hair and a pink button down shirt and slacks. She is business sister. Okay. They are related. They're sisters. Are they twins just with different hair? 
They don't say they're twins. They just say that they're sisters and clearly one is punk rock sister and, and one, one is, is biz casual. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Chris, punk rock, Terry, biz cash. Okay. How, how are the guys feeling about two women running a park? They have their initial surprise of thinking, oh, I thought it was going to be two dudes. But to Shaggy and Fred's credit, they immediately are enamored with Chris and Terry as they show them around the park. So they don't hold a grudge against them. It's just, oh, cool. And then they're very excited to learn all about the theme park. All right. I will. I will let them have that. (laughs) I'm really into the fact that Chris and Terry's parents are so committed to gender neutral names for their children. Mm -hmm, I feel mm -hmm. like that's a thing that more people should do. And I, I would like to imagine that Chris and Terry have siblings named Pat and Jess. And yeah. Taylor and <laughs> Jesse. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So Chris and Terry bring Shaggy and Scooby to see their ride being built. Now, their ride is a combination roller coaster and all-you-can-eat buffet called All-You-Can-Hurl. My nice. goodness gracious. Yeah. Sign me up. <laughs> so Terry compliments their design and says that it is as cool as Chris's designs, but Chris is unenthused. Terry explains that Chris does all of the designing of the right ideas, and then Terry, the business one, figures out how to build them safely and market them. So they're each bringing different things to the roller coaster table. That's like two. That's like massive jobs. You have to figure (laughs) out how to build them and how to market them. They need to hire more people. That's like a lot of work. Chris and Terry learn to delegate. Yes. Chris and Terry unionize the park. (laughs) Yeah. But I will say I'm really glad that safety was mentioned because I was sort of wondering, you know, I mean, you can't just let a stoned guy and his dog design a roller coaster without making sure there's safety precautions in place. That's so so true. Mm -hmm. I did watch Class Action Park and I did learn that from... Didn't we all? (laughs) Didn't we all? Yeah. Okay. That's good. I like that you brought that up. You do have to have double checking measures in place. Mm -hmm. You know I'm a safety head. Gotta be safe. What else can we be except safe? Exactly. So we cut to Daphne, Fred, and Velma getting in line to go to an indoor skydiving ride. And there is a young kid with orange hair in front of them. And he is upset that he is too short to ride the ride. Now, this child is voiced by Pamela S. Adlin for a bonus point. Does anyone know who, what other roles Pamela plays? I do. Lay it on me. Well, she plays the mom in Better Things. Okay. I believe you. That is not what I had written down. But, but I mean, but, I know she's a voice actor and yes. she's been in a lot of other stuff, but I don't know those things. I just know that she is the mom in Better Things. Point regardless, she does the voice of Bobby Hill from King of the Hill and Ashley Spinetti from Recess. Wow. Incredible stuff. Not only is that actor doing Eddie, they're also doing Chris, the emo-haired sister from before. Nice. Okay. Okay. So everyone has multiple jobs on and off the camera here. <laughs> yes. Everyone has two <laughs> jobs. Okay. I'm writing this down. This is part of my notes. Okay. okay. Everyone's overworked, both Everyone's overworked, in art so and in life. Clearly ready to commit crimes. I understand. Okay. Uh, you know what? I'm going to give a bonus point for just uh, fighting for labor and delegation for Caroline. So it's <laughs> That's right, Sally. That's, wait, does Sally get a point for the better things reference? Yes, it's tied. Oh, we're still tied. Okay, fine. <laughs> So this kid, Eddie, is very upset that he is not able to go on the indoor skydiving ride. Now, while Fred, Daphne, and Velma are in the ride, the hairy green creature jumps in front of the control panel and breaks it, which cuts power to the fan. So they are starting to fall down to the giant fan, but Daphne takes off her belt from her flight suit and throws it into the fan, which jams it so that they don't get chopped up into bits. Shout out to Daphne, quick on her feet. Classic jamming up a fan blade before you get chopped up by it. Mm -hmm. 
You know, if I've burping doesn't work, you got to throw in a belt. Exactly. Yeah. You just <laughs> Now, just like timeline wise, mm-hmm. the green monster has already terrorized the kids on the paragliding roller coaster. Yes. And so this comes after. This is after. Okay. Yes. So Sam, a new character who is the park safety engineer, comes to make sure that they are okay. And he explains that this isn't the first ride that stopped working due to the roller ghoster. But he has never seen said roller ghoster. There is a joke at one point where they ask, how is it a ghost if it is messing with stuff? So poorly named hairy orangutan looking thing. But alas, a perfect pun. Velma finds a tuft of green hair in the broken control panel and takes it for evidence. Sam complains that he doesn't like the, quote, newfangled extreme rides, and he thinks that bungee diving, skydiving, all of these sorts of things are too dangerous and that classic rides are better. So initial suspicions of they don't make them like they used to, guy. Wait, is Sam the safety guy or the little kid? Sam is the safety guy. Eddie is the little kid who was too short to ride the rides. Daphne, Fred, and Velma go to investigate, and Sam says as they are leaving, quote, strange things have been happening here. If you're not careful, your next ride could be your last, which is exceedingly ominous. Wow. I would not like to go there. I wouldn't either. No, I'd leave immediately. I assume as someone who doesn't like theme parks and is afraid of most rides, I assume this is what it's like to go to any theme park. That like as soon as you get on a ride, someone working the ride is like this one could be your last. They all seem really dangerous. That's probably what it's like to go to Six Flags, especially in the summer. Every two weeks, there's a headline that's like, people were stuck in a Six Flags ride for like 19 days and they just got out. Disney World, I don't think they, I think that one's safe or else like, you know. They have good PR. They have good PR, exactly. That also could be it. (laughs) But it's true. There people have have had to make a home in like roller coasters because they're stuck there for so long. Exactly. Yeah, there's still people living up there years later. That is a factor on some rides that I go on is if I get stuck, is it worth it? Ride. And if it's not, I'll just pass. Mike, what usually is the outcome of like, what's your answer to that question usually? I usually go on the rides, but I usually go to places that I would trust, like Universal Studios or Disney, if I am going to a theme park. This is more when I'm at a carnival or Coney Island or something. Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking, is it really worth me going on this one that goes upside down and I might get stuck there? Nah. Will I go on Steeplechase, the little horse ride at Coney Island? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like stay close to the ground. Yes. The traveling carnival ones definitely seem like they're set up to like hurl your body into space. Like, mm-hmm. the, you know, like if the ones you go to as a kid. At all. If they're yeah, set up I mean, at all. That's yeah. why they're for children because, you know, the children's frontal lobes, like where you develop fear in the brain, that's not developed yet. That's why they're so successful. You don't see carnivals for adults for a reason. We know better. It's so true. You're tearing the lid off of, uh, you're carnival doing like culture. an extra say on theme parks. I love it. You heard it yeah, here first. And you know what? I'm going to give Caroline a muckraking bonus point for oh. Calling out the carnival industry. Yeah, like the big carnival, the carnival industrial complex. Big carnival, I know. (laughs) Gotta shut it down, gotta shut it down. So we cut to Shaggy and Scooby deciding to go on a bungee ball ride because they can't find Chris and Terry anymore. So they're deciding, you know what? We'll just go on a ride now. And the same kid, Eddie, is in front of them. And he also is too short to ride this ride. He's also very upset. The ride operator says, sorry. And then also says, I don't make the rules. I just work here, which is a great (laughs) energy for someone working at a theme park. And when he says he's sorry, Eddie says, you're not as sorry as you're going to be, and then stomps off. Oh, wow. So maybe now Eddie is in the suspect 
bucket. I feel like whoever brought Eddie here for like an afternoon of fun. Didn't do their research. Yeah, because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this poor guy is just repeatedly being negged by various roller coasters. Yeah. Where are Eddie's parents? Yeah. That's the real mystery. Duh. While Shaggy and Scooby are on the ride, the roller coaster is seen holding giant cable cutters and he climbs up the side of the ride. And as Shaggy and Scooby are launched, the monster cuts the cables and they fly all over the amusement park in the big plastic ball, bouncing around all sorts of rides, music plays. It's wonderful. Velma goes looking for Terry and Chris in the park office and she finds a hairbrush with green hairs in it as Terry walks in. Velma explains that the ride they were on, the skydiving one, broke and Terry says, oh, is it the roller coaster? And then they talk a little bit about the roller coaster. So it's just like common knowledge that there's a monster in the park terrorizing. Yep. Okay. Yep. But we can't shut the park down. Sure. Need that money. Chris then walks in angrily and tries to shut the door behind the person who is following her. And that person is Harry Harrison, who is a his words, not mine, crusading reporter from thisridestinks.com. He's covering the story of the haunted theme park. Wow. Thisridestinks.com? Yes. Don't know if the URL is available, but get I on Namecheap, s- everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say that's sort of showing your cars a little bit. Journalism is supposed to be objective, unbiased, and mm-hmm. just having a, you know, thisridestinks.com. We already know where you stand. But mm-hmm. he is exposing Big Carnival, Caroline. So right. maybe he's actually me. Ooh. I should actually go apply for a job. <laughs> I know. Okay. Okay. Now, here's another big credit bonus question. The voice of Harry is also the voice of Sam, the safety engineer. And that voice actor is Tom Kenny. Do either of you know who Tom Kenny is? No, I would I wouldn't even spot like Beyonce in a crowded room. That's how little I know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Tom Kenny is the voice of SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh, okay. of course Got he it. is. <laughs> So Chris then smacks Harry's camera away, calling him a, quote, muckraking loser. And then Chris leaves. But on her way out, she says that she's suspicious of him saying that he could be messing with the park to try to drum up drama for clicks on his website. So now Harry into the suspect bucket. Classic reporter shit. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) they're always doing that. Okay, now we have Eddie who just stomped off. Mm -hmm. We have Harry trying to get more traffic to his website. Okay. And we have Sam, the safety engineer, who just thinks, get off my lawn. These rides aren't what they used to be. Sure. And Chris, who's throwing suspicion on Harry, which is suspicious in and of itself. Sure. Good point. Chris is the punk rock sister. Yes, yes. And does she have green hair? Or you said her hair is dyed. Yeah, did you say a streak of green? It is mostly maroon. There is a streak of green in the hair. And then I think a little streak of pink, or maybe it's just lighter maroon to show texture, but she definitely has a streak of green. Okay. And then, Mike, do they ever talk about the streak of green, or are you as a viewer observing the streak of green? You are just observing it, and I will say the streak of green is the same color as the monster. Okay. You can just very clearly see that by watching the television program. Okay, Well, that's out there. That's out there. Things are heating up. They are. So speaking of heating up, we have Shaggy, Scooby, Daphne and Fred getting in line for the rocket coaster, which is a roller coaster, but it's a rocket on a track. So it is powered by combustion. So again, roller coaster that cannot exist. Mm. Now, Daphne is incredibly excited. She has completely turned into a theme park junkie all about exhilaration, G-force, all the stuff. And they pass that same kid, Eddie, really trying to get on this ride as well. Not allowed on the ride. And he says, I'll get even. You'll see. You'll all see as he walks off. Now, Velma gets into the ride with them, 
But before the door closes, she says that she's worried that the ride might not be safe, maybe because the roller coaster is tinkering with stuff. But before Velma can convince them to get off the ride, the door closes and the ride begins. So the roller coaster, of course, is now on top of the tracks, loosening some bolts and the tracks split. The rocket launches off of the roller coaster. But thankfully, because it is a rocket, it flies in the air for a little bit and then lands in the water and it's okay. They all survive, but it was a little scary. So Chris and Terry check in on the gang. Chris is upset that her rocket coaster has been ruined. Harry Harrison pops up and he gives an update to his viewers. Daphne recognizes him, saying that he was in line ahead of them at the skydiving ride. And that is true. You do see it in the cartoon. So he was in line when they were about to go on the skydiving ride. And then Velma finds a wrench on the ground. Harry asks what kind of ghost uses a wrench. And Shaggy replies, one that has a screw loose. Shout out Shaggy here. Always on top of it. True. Chris grabs the wrench and says that it's hers, but she didn't do it. And as Chris and Terry walk away, the short kid Eddie is seen peeking out from behind a trash can and he makes eye contact with Velma. Oh, my God. So they're doing as much as they possibly can to make us think it's Eddie. Maybe, maybe. I was going to say they're doing as much as they can to make us think it's Chris. Oh, well, that's very interesting. But that feels too obvious to me. Okay. But maybe it's because it's a kid's mystery. It's like maybe it should be obvious and maybe I'm just like looking for more. Always the struggle with this program, and that's what makes it the best. Am I overthinking it, or am I correct? (laughs) Right, exactly. So the gang recaps what they know. Velma takes out the piece of green hair that she took as evidence, and she says that it is artificial fur. Velma asks Chris to show them where the broken rides get fixed. Chris leads them there, and they see Sam, the safety engineer, working on an old ride that is no longer in the park. And he says it was a fun and safe ride. And Velma talks with Sam, and they agree that the rides that have been causing these calamities aren't actually broken, but are instead gimmicked to look broken and are breaking in ways that wouldn't put anyone in danger. Is this because it's a kid's television program? I guess. But that is at least brought to light. That's so dark. Like... Theme parks are already scary. You don't have to make it like fake broken. I don't know. I don't like that. As a yeah. fellow safety head, I don't like that. Sorry, wait. <laughs> I don't totally follow. The old rides that Sam is fixing have been tampered with. They haven't broken of their own accord. He's fixing an old ride, but then Velma talks to him about the current rides, <gasps> and Sam lets it be known that he has looked at the rides that are broken, but they are not actually breaking. They are tampered in a way to make it look like they're broken, but they're done in a way where people will still be safe and no one's actually actually in danger. Yes. But he's not referring to the green monster. He's referring to the rides that the green monster is messing with. Okay. Okay. Sam's like just around a lot for someone who doesn't make the rules. He just works here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So Shaggy and Scooby walk through the park loudly announcing that they have figured out who the roller ghoster is and they are going to call the police from payphones, shout out to 2003, near the skate park to lure out the roller ghoster. They're doing this so that a chase scene can start and then they can trap them in nets. You know, classic Scooby-Doo stuff. So the roller ghoster does appear, chases Shaggy and Scooby through the park Shaggy and Scooby are on roller skates and they are wearing helmets, which is nice. And so is the roller ghoster. Roller ghoster also wears a helmet. Got to promote safety on a kid's program. We love to see it. Yeah. They have the whole chase. They trap the roller ghoster. They reveal who the roller ghoster is by unmasking them. So I turn it over to the two of you. Who do you think the roller ghoster is? Oh, my God. Well, okay. Yeah. Do you want to go first, Caroline? 
No, I don't. I have no idea. <laughs> I, I know who it could be. Do you have like a solid idea, Sally? I have a guess. I have a question though. Sure. Is this something that you can actually piece together from watching the episode or is it like any of the possibilities are plausible and can be like retrofitted to be correct? Everything that I have told you, you can figure out who did it. Our editor and producer, Sherry Guo, who watches these episodes in advance before passing it on to me, double checks to make sure that it's not, oh, it's actually the grandpa that we've Got never okay. seen before. Okay. So they all pass the smell test. So yes, this episode, it's legit. Remind me who the reporter's name for this ride. That is Harry Harrison. Okay. Of thisridestinks.com. Thisridestinks.com, classic reporter name. Mm-hmm. I'm actually going to apply some of what I know about watching Law & Order to this Let's go. episode. So if we're thinking about Eddie, Eddie's short. Mm -hmm. So his motive would be like he can't enjoy the park, so he doesn't want anyone else to enjoy the park either. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But it's a kid's show, and they really keep talking about how short he is. So like, if we have to eliminate suspects, would any of the damage that he is doing... Would you need to be tall to do any of this damage? Potentially, but we have seen on this program kids be in big costumes and then it's some sort of either stilts or robot type thing. So All right, so then that does it because Eddie could have access to stilts that we don't know about exactly. off screen. <laughs> okay, Sally, where are you at? Okay, I have a guess. Oh, okay. okay. My guess is that it is Sam, the safety guy. Okay. And the reason is, number one, he is really into safety. He doesn't like the new rides because he thinks that they're unsafe. Obviously, whoever's tampering with the rides isn't trying to really hurt anyone. They're just trying mm. to make a point about how the rides are unsafe. And mm. as someone who cares about safety, he wouldn't put anyone in danger. He would just like make his little point by tampering with things. Okay. And I think all the other ones are red herring. We know it's not Chris because... The green hair is artificial green fur. I think they're laying it on really thick with Eddie because he keeps saying, like, I'm going to get you back or whatever. Like, I'll have my revenge. Your day will come. That seems like a little bit too obvious. And Harry, I think, also seems like an obvious misdirect. You know, anyone who buys the domain thisridestinks.com is a villain. And I think that's too obvious. So I'm going to say it's Sam. And it's a misguided attempt to make the park safer. All right. How about you, Caroline? Okay. I like where Sally's at. I like where Sally's at. Also, don't think it's Chris. I think that's too easy. And I think kids are smarter. I think it's 2003 and kids are smart. And they know it's too easy. Chris has a green streak of hair and the monster's green. That's like Clue Jr. stuff. <laughs> Except I never got the Clue Jr. ones anyway. So <laughs> I'm clearly bitter about that. I really think Sally has a great explanation for Sam. I think Eddie has the clearest motive. He's pissed. You know, he's getting kind of bullied for something he can't control, which is his height. And he is too young to know about good places to put that anger. So, you know, he's just trying to make life miserable for everything else. The only person I have on my list that we haven't really talked about, like Terry is a character we only see in this episode, right? Yes. Yeah, I didn't even talk about Terry. My guess would be like just from the basic knowledge of like everyone's motives is Eddie, the short kid, because no one thinks he can do anything. And then he like does this big thing. And that's, and that makes sense. This is what I know from law and order. It's weird to have a character 
that doesn't serve any purpose whatsoever. And so the very fact true. that we didn't talk about Terry at all, everyone else seems to have a very clear, present, visible motive. And then there's just Terry. It's just like Chris's sister. And we know it's not Chris. And I don't know. I don't know where that all fits in. Lurking in the background like a creep. Mm -hmm. Right. She could even be like trying to frame Chris because the brush with the artificial fur was in their office, which is a smoking hairbrush. Oh, it was in their office. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that, yes, that, but then that almost makes me think like that takes Eddie off the table. Cause why would Eddie be in the office or how would he get in the office? He doesn't have access to the back of the park. Okay. But Sam does because he works there. So yeah. ostensibly he does. That's your guess. And Harry Harrison has a press badge and that lets you get in anywhere. I think that that's a really good guess. I mean, I feel good about my guess, but I think that Terry is a really strong guess for the reasons you said. It's no one suspects Terry. She's just over here being all business like. Yeah, she's just business Terry. And the everyone perfect knows it. suspect. But beyond the fact that I just know that if a character is introduced, they're either a red herring or they are the person you're looking for, the criminal. The fact that there is no quote unquote red herring around Terry makes me suspicious. And that is what I've learned from watching hundreds of episodes of Law and Order. But other than that, I would not be able to say what Terry's motive is. So maybe I'm overthinking it. Okay. Are you going with Terry or Eddie? Oh, I think for the love of the game <laughs> and for the love of Chris Maloney, who is my professor at Law and Order SVU University, I'm going to go with Terry. I don't okay. know why. I'm That's really solid, Caroline. That's really solid. I'm going to go with Terry. Well, I am happy to report that it is Terry. <gasps> up, Caroline. Oh, it my God. You Terry. are amazing. What? No way. Yes. Oh, Scooby-Doo gets a point. Wait, <laughs> what do you mean? Okay, can you tell? Yeah, I got I got all how it all fits in. Oh, my God. Tell. Tell us. <laughs> so Terry is jealous of Chris because Chris gets to design all the roller coasters and Terry doesn't get to design any herself. It does come back to labor. It, it all come comes back, back to, to labor. How crooked Big Carnival is. Big Carnival. Oh, my God. Basically, Terry is mad that she does the harder jobs of making the ride safe and turning Chris's wacky designs into actual roller coasters that can work and then markets them. But then Chris gets all the credit for being this design genius. So what Terry wanted to do was make Chris look bad and basically get Chris fired so that Terry could start designing her own so that she could do literally every job at the theme park. And then she would start to get credit as a great designer and business person and safety person as well. Terry just wants everyone's job. She doesn't want to outsource anything. She wants all the glory. She can't delegate. She's a bad manager and she is guilty. She needs management training. I'm honestly stunned. Caroline, <laughs> my respect for you can tower no higher. That was a masterclass in solving a television mystery. It was really, really well done. That is short boy Eddie heights of respect, <laughs> I feel. That is truly the law and order way. And like, I joke about SV University, but now I know I got my doctorate at yeah. SV University. You've, you're clearly showing what you know, what you've learned. So you have earned three points for absolutely nailing the guess. Wow. So you are now at six points. Sally, I did give you two bonus points for first having a very solid reasoning about Sam, even though it was not a 
correct answer. I thought the logic was there. And then also once Caroline kind of teed up the possibility of Terry, I feel like you completed the alley-oop of perfectly nailing some of the motives that lie behind it and why some of it wouldn't wouldn't work. Nice. Sally did that. Yeah. The mm-hmm. office. I totally forgot that detail. Yeah. Yeah. I would not have put my hat in for Terry had Sally not reminded me of the office. We make such a good team because yeah. you you know all the television mystery tricks and I <laughs> noticed a thing. You have good <laughs> listening skills. <laughs> <laughs> so at the end of round one, Caroline has a six to four lead as we get into our second. And I will say now final mystery. We usually do three, but that was such a thorough investigation of the first one. We don't have time for three, but that's okay because it was entertaining. And that's all that matters in a podcast. Nice. Excellent. Hey there, welcome to the mid-roll break for season four, episode two of Meddling Adults. I'm currently on the road for some family stuff, hence the shift in audio quality. I'm going to keep this brief, but I just wanted to give a huge shout out to everyone who not only listened to the first episode of season four, but especially to the people who went above and beyond and supported us on Patreon. We got a bunch of new patrons over at patreon.com slash meddlingadults, and I am so thankful because that really does help us raise money for charity. There's a lot of different ways that we raise the funds. The Patreon is the biggest, but also there's folks who donate directly at PayPal me slash meddling adults and there's also the merch store which i just learned the hard way is down so i'm looking into trying to get that back up so that you can buy the idaville baseball tees and the digital live show replay i'll try to get that sorted out but also even if you're not able to support with a recurring donation on patreon or a one-time donation with paypal literally just by listening to episodes of meddling adults you raise money for charity because as you'll hear in a little bit we insert ads and they are locally inserted so if you're not in america you might hear an ad in your country's native language. If you are in the States, you might hear a state or city specific ad, but truly by any download, money is getting raised for charity. So simply by listening or by telling people about the show, you can also help us raise money for charity. So thank you to everyone who's listening. Thank you to everyone who is supporting in any way. And thanks to everyone who's talking about the show, whether you post on social media or you tell someone about it directly, you're helping the show grow. And then if the show grows, more funds get raised for charity and we can put more good into the world. So thank you all so much. I am really so thankful that I am able to make this show and try to put some good out there and people seem to enjoy the show and it just makes me very happy and it warmed my heart to see how many people rejoined or started new memberships over at the Patreon now that season four is going. So thank you all. Cannot thank you all enough. And now you will hear those advertisements. And once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Meddling Adults. So now we will get into our second and final mystery, which is called Toy Scary Boo, which I believe is a rough pun of Toy Story 2. These are really rough puns, I have to say. That is rough. (laughs) I'm not sure what the pun part is other than like this sort of rhymes, but I'm here for it and I'm into it and I, I can't wait. The assignment for a pun is it should be seamless. That's kind of the only, you have one job. You should not have to explain the pun. (laughs) If you don't understand it or it needs to be explained, it didn't work as a pun. I'm just going to put that out there. And that's not on you, obviously. That's on uh, the writers of What's New Scooby-Doo who will be hearing from me. That's right. That's right. (laughs) They're going to get a subpoena to hear. a (laughs) 20-year-old show. (laughs) So this one opens at a toy store at a mall. And I will say that the mall outside. I know they just had some throwaway graphics on it for some of the stores, but I did take note that one of the stores was called Jordan's, which I guess is a way to be Foot Locker, but get around 
TMTM at Foot Locker. And then instead of the gap, it's the WAP. It's the WAP. Uh, Did this uh, TV show <laughs> write a song incidentally? Wow. wow. 20 years wow. in advance? Prophetic. Yeah. That's a WAP. Okay. All right. I have lots to think about here. Okay. The WAP <laughs> did it. That's my guess on this particular mystery. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Caroline got it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Toy Scary Boo. We're at the mall, and we see a bunch of Spaceman Swinton toys. Spaceman Swinton is basically a knockoff version of Buzz Lightyear, but it is a black astronaut with a cool high top fade, which is a very strong look. These toys all come to life and they terrorize a janitor working in the halls of the mall. And then the intro song plays and we cut to the gang walking to the mall to go to Happy Toyland. Now, the reason they are going to Happy Toyland is because Velma needs to buy a gift for her cousin's birthday and her cousin wants a Spaceman Swinton action figure. So they arrive in the toy store. Shaggy and Scooby go on this ride that kind of looks like one of those flight simulator type things, and it's a video game. And Velma unplugs the ride while they're upside down because they what have serious business. <laughs> what is going on? This, like, what rides have hurt these people? <laughs> you are already tempting fate, and they are just, they're intercepting fate <laughs> and just going for it. Unplugging they're playing That's God. I don't like, like it. That. Velma's a sadist. I don't like that either. Mm-mm, sadist behavior. <laughs> so the fact that Velma just unplugs it mid-ride, ridiculous. But she says they have very important business to attend to, which is buying a doll for her cousin. So when they go to the aisle where the Spaceman Swintons are supposed to be, they see a balding man with a thin mustache taking all of the Spaceman Swintons off the shelves. And this man is named Mr. Bottomcheck. He is the store manager, and he says that they can't buy a Spaceman Swinton toy. They are very confused as to why. And then a woman with a blonde bob and a fuchsia pantsuit comes over and is very annoyed. And she says, quote, I guess you finally wised up, bottom check. All it took was the toys going on a rampage and destroying the department store. She reveals that her name is Sandy Gordon, and she is a representative of POUT, P-O-U-T, which stands for Please Oust Unsafe Toys, because she believes that toys lead to violence. They do. I just want to say that I'm short-circuiting between... The guy whose last name is Bottom Check, the person in the fuchsia pantsuit, <laughs> and the acronym Pout, and also Caroline responding, they do, to toys <laughs> harming people. So they not, do. I, listen, I'm not arguing. I'm glad you're calling out Big Toy. But Big toy. I just want to say an extraordinarily rich tapestry, which I'm into. Honestly, listening to this is like both confusing, but then also I'm like, where can I stream this series because now I just want to watch all of it. I am not being paid, but they are on HBO Max. <laughs> okay, into it. I subscribe. I will use that subscription to watch. Okay, so sorry, Sandy. Sandy. Is the president of Pout or she is just a lackey for Pout? She says that she is a representative from Pout. Okay, lackey. Okay, <laughs> got it. <laughs> she gets delegated too. Yes. Now, Mr. Bottomcheck says that their toys promote sharing and working together. And when he said this, I realized that he was voiced by John O'Hurley, who plays Jay Peterman from Seinfeld. Nice. Okay, that one, that's <laughs> yeah, a good that, one. I feel yeah. like I would have recognized that voice, yes. <laughs> the voice just right away is like, oh, but I didn't even have to Google it. I was like, I know who this is. The other thing I have to say, I forgot to mention Terry, our culprit from the last one, is voiced by Tara Strong. Another bonus round, do either of you know who Tara Strong does the voice acting of? No, I don't. 
Timmy Turner, Raven from Teen Titans, and Bubbles from the Powerpuff Girls. I don't know any of those references, wow. I have to say. I mean, I, I'm aware of them in the culture, but like, I wouldn't know them if I... I know about the Powerpuff Girls. That's an illustrious career. Mm-hmm, yeah, just powerhouse of voices in What's New Scooby-Doo. Sandy, in response to Mr. Bottomcheck, saying that their toys promote sharing and stuff, says that she doesn't care, and she won't give up until every unsafe toy is gone from the store. Oh my god. So the gang talks to Bottom Check about the incident, and Bottom Check says he didn't call the authorities about the toys because the store just opened and he doesn't want bad press. So the gang offers to investigate. And when they offer, he asks, do I have to pay you? And Shaggy says, basically, no, just don't expense us for anything. And I hate this anti-labor stance. Get paid for your work. Come on, Shaggy. Bad from Bottom Check, bad from Shaggy, not happy. Your labor wow. is valuable. Mm-hmm. Labor is valuable. Unionize. Unionize mm-hmm. at Pout. Mm-hmm. Unionize the Scooby crew or whatever they're called. Mystery Inc. Mystery Inc. Okay. Yeah. I feel like they could do better. They probably could. And I don't know if they're actually incorporated. Because if they were, they would be demanding payment. That's so true. So the gang goes on to talk to a security guard. His name is Officer Claphammer, <laughs> which, yes, is his name. And he was on duty the night before. He has curly burgundy hair, and he says that he built the security system himself, and he knows about everything that goes on in the mall, and he is voiced by Kevin McDonald. Anyone know who this is? He's Pleakley from Lilo and Stitch. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) This was just right in my wheelhouse if I was the right age when all these people were doing a job before or during the run of What's New Scooby-Doo. Now, when he says nothing happens in the store without me knowing, Daphne calls him out saying, like toys coming to life and terrorizing people, and he gets very grumpy. Shout out to Daphne calling him out. It's a pretty good zing. Really good. It's pretty solid. Claphammer is surprised that the gang knows about the toys coming to life, and he complains that Bottom Check has loose lips. And then he says, and you know what they say about loose lips? And Shaggy says, yeah, they're great for fitting around a triple-decker veggie club sandwich. Oh my goodness gracious. Did not know where that was going. I didn't either. I think the original thing was loose lips sink ships. Well, I mean, I just think the sentence, they're good for fitting around uh. I was like, <laughs> same. <laughs> I just, my eyebrows went up and I was like, where, what are they doing? Mm-hmm. What's happening? Yep, yeah, they're yep, yep. flying very close to the sun with that joke, mm-hmm. I have to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's okay. It's a kid's program. So Velma asks to see security footage from the toy rampage and the gang sees that the toys did appear to come to life. So it does seem like something is actually up with the toys. It's not like a illusion of sorts or visual effects or whatever, it does seem like the toys are actually causing harm and physically doing things with their tiny toy frames. So Claphammer says that the mall is closing soon, but Fred says that they're not going to leave until the mystery is solved. And Claphammer says that the doors of the mall have magnetic time locks, so once they shut, no one can leave until morning. Seems like a bad idea. It does. Shaggy and, Shaggy and Scooby open up a crate of Spaceman Swinton toys, and they see one move a little bit, so they close it in fear and run away. But it's too late, because they are attacked by the dolls, and the dolls flip a light switch, leaving Shaggy and Scooby in the dark, and then there's a rumbling noise, and we cut to Daphne, Fred, and Velma, and they are talking with a guy with spiky red hair and round glasses. He yells that they are not going to cut in front of him, And when they ask him what he's talking about, he says he's camping out at the mall overnight to be the first in line for a new release of action dolls called Annabelle Action Dolls. 
and he says that the Annabelle action doll is a collectible, and he introduces himself as Harry Harrison. Harry, no, not Harry Harrison. Harry knows N O Z E. Mm. So I guess a pun, but yes, his name is Harry knows. This doll stinks.com. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bonus point for the this doll stinks.com. It is now five to six in favor of Caroline. <laughs> Harry knows introduces himself as the greatest toy collector of the 20th century, and Velma says it's the 21st century. And he goes, ah, whatever. Okay, but that's also true. That's just bad math, <laughs> you know, numbers, you know? <laughs> so Daphne asks what is special about this doll. Harry says it's 17 inches tall and it's fully articulated. I don't know what that means for a doll, but while he's giving the spiel, he gets interrupted by Shaggy and Scooby being chased by a horde of Annabelle action dolls, not the Spaceman Swinton dolls. Now the gang hides in an elevator, but then they see a group of these Annabelle dolls grabbing wire cutters, a very wire cutter heavy episode of Meddling Adults today, and they cut the wires of the elevator and it goes into a free fall. Okay, whoever did that is my enemy. If I watched that as a kid, I would be afraid of going in an elevator. It's truly wild. Unless we find out that the elevator was sabotaged in a way that can't hurt anyone, like it's landing on like a giant mattress or something. <laughs> right, and that safety Sam's gonna come out and be like, actually, this, no, this is, is fine. supposed to happen. <laughs> yeah, this is fine. Now, they don't have a safety cushion underneath, but they do have a safety Scooby because he is able to stick his four paws out of four, I guess, vents in the elevator. But he just kind of latches his claws into the wall and it slows the elevator to a halt. The gang is able to get out and then he is kind of stuck in place and he doesn't want to break free and jump out and let it fall. But Velma lures him out with Scooby Snacks and then he is able to do so. The elevator plummets, but everybody is safe. Now, Claphammer comes out to see what all the commotion is. He sees the broken elevator and he, of course, is very upset. The gang explains that the dolls caused this destruction and Claphammer says he knew that having, quote, mamby-pamby civilians on the case was a bad idea and he tells them to back off because I guess he was born in the year 1925. <laughs> He probably used the word foofara in there somewhere. What does foofara even mean? I'm giving you a bonus point just for saying it. <laughs> it's the kind of thing that someone who says namby-pamby would say, you know, like a kerfuffle. I would oh, say it's a synonym okay. for a kerfuffle. Like a hubbub, a foofara. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you for that. I'm so happy to know th about this word. And now it's tied six to six. The stakes are high. <laughs> Sally didn't come to play. I didn't. I'm clawing my way up with obscure references. She is. Just like Scooby be clawing an elevator. So the gang continues to investigate and they find blueprints for the mall. And Velma takes down some blueprints and she realizes that the mall was built on the site of an old art museum. And Daphne remembers that this old art museum closed because most of its paintings were stolen and never found. And then Fred finds a file that says Claphammer was the security guard of the museum. Whoa. Now a rumbling is heard again and this now is more toys attacking, but it is toy spaceships coming to life and they are flying in through the vents and shooting, I don't know how, but projectiles of sorts, which seem like laser beams, but they can't be. But anyway, they're getting attacked by flying toy spaceships. Classic Scooby-Doo chasing, they're able to break free. Fred says that they should split up as he suggests every episode, and he had suggested earlier in this episode, Shaggy says, no way. And Fred says, okay, how about this? We can pick teams. And 
Shaggy and Velma can be team captains. So Velma picks Daphne and then Shaggy picks Fred, which feels like an affront to Scooby-Doo. Yeah, that's where you figure out the UMass Amherst connection. (laughs) That makes a lot of sense. So I'm not surprised. And then Velma picks Scooby. And then we get this beautifully awkward scene of Fred and Shaggy walking down a hallway, the most unlikely duo in the gang. And they try to small talk. Fred asks Shaggy if he watched the game last night. And Shaggy says he doesn't like sports. And then Shaggy asks asks Fred if he wants to go grab food and Fred says he's not hungry and then Fred says okay let's split up as usual next time and it's delectable I love it so our other group Daphne Velma and Scooby go to the mall parking garage and they see a bright pink and green van that says the toy truck and inside they find Harry Nose and he is annoyed that they are disturbing him while he is working on developing his own toys because he is also quote an excellent toy maker according to himself. And he works out of a truck yes. in the parking garage? Mm-hmm. Okay. Checks out. Super reputable. Just checking, just checking. Got it, got it, got it. He opens the back of his van to show his work, and he brings out a doll called Crying Carrie, who screams, and this is Sherry's note that I agree with, imagine the scream of the egg from the fourth Harry Potter movie. It's that high-pitched and terrifying. It's okay. really, really bad. When you squeeze the doll, she makes this noise. So clearly, he is an interesting toy maker, to say the least. Velma asks why he has a bunch of computers in his van, and he says that he is developing remote control fire ants. So he's got some remote control stuff going on that makes Velma raise an eyebrow. Does not sound like a toy at all. Fire ants are terrible. I don't know if either of you have ever been to or lived in Texas, but I lived in Texas for about a decade. Fire ants, the worst. Wow. Terrifying. Another uh, knock against Texas for me. I mean, there are quite a few, but fire (laughs) ants. They're starting to really add up. Yeah, really. (laughs) That's another one. Add it to the list. So we cut back to Shaggy and Fred. They hear some more rumbling from the back of the toy store, and they find Sandy Gordon from Pout tied up and gagged in a chair. She is tied up with jump ropes, though, so it is thematic. Mm. And she says that the toys did it to her. Specifically, she was tied up by a strong velveteen gorilla. Okay. Now, Fred asks why she's so here late at night, and Shaggy sees a bag full of batteries, and Sandy then admits that she was stealing all of the batteries in the store because she wanted to make sure that these dangerous toys couldn't come to life anymore. I can't tell if, like, my blood sugar's low or if this is getting, like, really trippy. Like, is this getting really weird? This is way harder to follow than the other one. It's quite complex. Through no fault of your own, Mike. Oh, it is just the episode of the show. Sometimes they're wacky, and this one is a little bit on the more confusing end. That's why it was going to be mystery two in the episode, so that we didn't end on it. But it's okay, and we're going to power through. We're going to end on it anyway. The gang regroups, and when they do, Tanks and toy soldiers come to life and chase them around the mall, and they are able to escape and knock these things into the mall fountain, and when they get into water, they short circuit out and they go still. So they clearly see that water is not the friend of these enemies, and Velma takes one of these broken soldier toys and inside finds a remote control automaton that made it come to life. And then Harry Nose comes up and sees it, and he is amazed by the technology. Now, we already know Harry Nose has some remote control tendencies, so the gang doesn't know if he is being genuine here or trying to throw him off the scent. Or if he's trying to, like, steal a patented Mm. situation because he has his truck in the garage. I know people Mm -hmm. like Harry. (laughs) 
<laughs> so the gang goes to the basement to investigate where the rumbling came from, and they find a huge box marked food court supplies, but it's actually hollow and is concealing a cement breaker that someone has been using to drill through the floor. Classic. Mm-hmm. So Velma then explains that they found a way to track the radio signals that have been controlling the toys. They tell this to Claphammer, Bottom Check, Sandy, and Harry. So they basically have gathered all of our suspects and explained to them what's going on. Scooby is wearing a special collar that apparently will detect radio waves. And what Velma has done is brought all these people here to say, does anyone want to confess now? Because my dog with the magical radio collar is going to determine if any of you are controlling things via radio. And none of them confess initially. And then Scooby starts to sniff about as his collar starts making beeping and whirring noises. Now, as Scooby starts to get a little closer, Harry confesses. He says that he did it and it was a publicity stunt for his toys. He did this all just to get a bunch of free press and now he's gotten it. And once he gets out of jail, people are still going to want his awesome toys. And he thanks them all for putting him on the map. And the gang is about to leave and they're in the mystery machine. But Velma, as they're driving away, realizes that Harry was lying, and it's someone else who's guilty. What causes her to have this aha moment is that in the mystery machine, Shaggy and Scooby remove a floorboard from the car, and inside they have a bunch of snacks. And that makes Velma think, secret compartment, and then they turn around, drive back, and Velma reveals who actually did it. So I turn it over to the two of you. Who do you think did it, and how? Oh my, I, I don't know this one. <laughs> I'm stuck on Claphammer having been the security guard in the art museum. Yeah. Remind me, Claphammer, Bottom Check, Harry, and Sandy. Is there yes. someone else? Those are the big four. Okay. I don't know, but I'm just going to make a guess. I think that Harry is in cahoots with Claphammer. They have different but intersecting objectives. And... Claphammer was using his access to make it so that Harry could break in and use his remote control skills to make the dolls attack. And that way, maybe they would get rid of the dolls and he would take them home. You know, they would be his for his collection. Or it makes him look like a better toy maker because his toys don't hurt people. That's my guess. Okay. Caroline, what about you? Honestly, well, no matter what the answer is, it will shock me. And I <laughs> put a fake gun to my head. I could not answer this. I think I'm going to go with Claphammer. Okay. For no other reason than he has quality time invested in this specific location. Mm -hmm. All righty. So here's what I will say. It is Claphammer <laughs> and Claphammer <laughs> alone. Oh. Now, zing. Harry wasn't in cahoots, but he was just taking credit because he just thought what he said would still be true if people then heard about this, even if he gets thrown in jail for it, people will think he's so good at remote control toys and all this magical stuff that they will want him to be the toy maker of all. But really, it was Claphammer because, as you pointed out, Caroline, the previous security guard thing, he knew about the paintings. He was doing this all to steal the paintings. Oh. What he would do with the remote control dolls, it was all a distraction so that it would make noise and stuff, and then people would be distracted by all of the 
what was the word, Sally? Uh, the fufa? <laughs> fufara. Fufara. <laughs> All of the fufara would keep people busy. And then he could use that cement driller to drill through the floor. And then that is how he was stealing the paintings because they're underneath the mall where oh. this museum used to be. That is, I mean, look, I'm giving myself a lot of credit for the Terry guess, but this was a true, I just threw a dart at the wall. But you knew that it was related to him having worked there before. They would Mm -hmm. not have concluded that detail if it wasn't important. Another lesson from Law and Order SV University. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I did give Sally two points for having semi-correct guess of the motive and all that. But Caroline, I give you the full three because you had pointed out who was behind it and you said the biggest giveaway clue, which was that he had been the security guard there before and it was Claphammer. So you narrowly win this episode nine to eight. (gasps) Wow, that's really exciting. I never win anything. I really don't. And I had told Sally from the beginning, there was no way I was going to win this. So Sally, I guess we all know who the better case cracker is. Listen, <laughs> it's like when you play Where in the World is Carmen San Diego, and every time you solve a case, you get promoted to another level. I feel like you got promoted to gumshoe in this episode. I'm, gums- I'm a gumshoe. <laughs> I couldn't Ooh. lose to a worthier opponent. I feel like that was hard won, and I'm just really impressed with your skills. So Thank you. kind. I, oh. Clearly the same, and you brought up a lot of valid points, I feel, that led me to victory, so I appreciate your help. Look at this wonderful generosity and sportsmanship. I love it. (laughs) Now, Caroline, you have won, meaning you've won some money for the Online Abortion Resource Squad. Now, before we close out, if people want to find the two of you doing stuff on the internet or anywhere else, where can they find you? Caroline, you can go first since you won. (laughs) Ha (laughs) ha. You can find me at gthanksjustboughtitpod on Instagram. And that is about it. I don't spend much time anywhere else on the internet these days. Probably the best case scenario. Sally, how about you? (laughs) I wish I could say the same, but sadly, you can find me on Twitter at Sally T. Fantastic. Well, Caroline and Sally, thank you so much for being on the show, solving some mysteries, teaching me about linguistics, (laughs) all of the fun things that we have learned today. (laughs) And above all else, thank you, too, for being some truly wonderful meddling adults. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Meddling Adults. This podcast is created, hosted, and executive produced by me, Mike Schubert. It is also produced and edited by Sherry Guo. The music is by Bettina Campamanas and Brandon Google. The art is by Maayan Atias and Kelly Schubert. And the web design is by both me and Kelly Schubert. If you want to help out the show financially, you can do so at patreon.com slash meddlingadults, signing up for a monthly pledge, or you can make a one-time donation at paypal.me slash meddlingadults. All those funds help go towards our winning charities. And if you want to help in a non-monetary way, just talk about the show, whether you reach out to someone that you think would like the show or you post about it on social media, those things really help. Word of mouth helps podcasts a lot. And the more people that know about the show, the more people will listen and the more money that we can raise for charity. All good stuff. If you want to find us on social media, we're at Meddling Adults on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We also have a subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash meddling adults. And if you ever want to learn anything about the show, you can go to our website, meddlingadults.com. Make sure you subscribe to Meddling Adults wherever you listen to your podcasts so that you can hear our next episode where we will be joined by the lovely co-hosts of the lovely podcast, Pod and Pred 
Prejudice. Molly and Becca are going to be on the show, and they are going to be solving mysteries from a new mystery series we've never done on Meddling Adults before, American Girl Mini Mysteries. I'm super stoked about it, and you should too, and you'll be able to hear it next Wednesday.